Support for this week's episode of Dad Hard with a Podcast comes from Manscaped. Join the 2 million men who trust Manscaped and get 20% off plus free shipping when you include the code DADHARD20 at manscaped.com. Manscaped, your balls will thank you. Hey, you got him with this one, dog. It's so soulful. Let's take him back. Come on. Hey, remember back in the block In the summertime when the sidewalk got So boiling hot That the heat from the street almost melts your flip-flops Or burn through your new shoes And leave you with holes in your socks Us city slickers, there was no water in spots So we'd head to the corner, Mr. Warner would knock What is up? Welcome, 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 all my do-datters, future fathers, potential parents, and everyone else tuning in. This is Dad Hard with a podcast, and as always, I am your host, Mo Green, and this is episode 74 of Dad Hard with a podcast. If you missed it last week, I had the absolute pleasure of talking to one of my best friends on the planet, known each other since we were like 13, 14 years old and have watched each other grow from these little teenage boys into now 30 plus year old fathers. Uh, And it's just awesome to see people that you grew up with and that you're super close with go through this fatherhood journey with you. So if you missed that one, go and definitely check it out. That was with one of my best friends, Scott Rodriguez. Um, and the way that fatherhood has changed him is just incredible. Uh, like it does change all of us. You know what I mean? Um, with that said, as always to connect on the fatherhood brotherhood, shoot us an email at dadhardpod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at Dad Hard Pod and check out the website wedadhard.com. Best place for you to be able to listen to that episode and all the episodes prior to that, as well as this one right here. This week, it is really all about language. It is week 102. Jesus, it blows me away every time I say a number above 100. Uh, it's 102 of dadding. And the main thing here is that my daughter's language just continues to evolve and grow every single day. And it is mind-blowing. On the other side of the musical break, I talked to another two-time guest, Mr. Joe Mr. Joe Cohane, um, and we actually dive into the development of language, and he, much smarter than I and more knowledgeable than I, um, you know, goes into how that is just an innate thing for humans to develop, which is why it evolves so quickly once it gets into a child's mind and they're able to express words. It just like light speed just starts developing. So that is an awesome conversation. We also talk about his book, uh, The Power of Strangers and how important it is to forget about this stranger danger shit that we all came up with in the 80s, 90s uh, and how important it is to teach kids that 
strangers are those that are going to help you, you know? Um, so that's an awesome conversation coming up on the other side of the musical break. But like I said, it is week 102 of dadding and I, I am just blown away by my daughter's language development. It's just like every day, it's just evolving like tenfold, you know? Like a couple weeks ago, I was talking about how she couldn't really put sentences together and was just repeating things over and over. Now she's two weeks away from being two and she can pretty much express herself verbally in full. You know, like we can actually have conversations. Now, obviously they're super rudimentary, but we have them. You know, she can tell me what she did at daycare, what songs they sang, what toys she played with, you know, what instruments she did, you know, um, whether she went outside, who she played with. That's like the latest development in talking about other people and recognizing, you know, the word who and what that means. So like when I ask her, oh, who would you play with? She can tell me, she understands that that means oh, I'm asking her about a person. So now she's going to respond with whoever she played with, whatever. Now, did she actually play with them? I don't know, but she can have a conversation, right? And she can tell me that, Uh, you know, she can tell us what she wants for dinner or for a snack or that she wants to go outside or eat outside. You know, she can say, I want to eat outside or I want to eat at the table. You know, she can say all of this and it's a full human sentences. Obviously, there's a little jumbled mumbo jumbo in there, but for the most part, it's full human language. It is insane. Um, And she's turning in or she is being a complete sponge when it comes to language. Like she soaks up and is regurgitating new words daily and like using them in these sentences. And I'm like, what the fuck? Where did you learn that? Like, how do you know? It just blows me away because sometimes she does get like complex with, I mean, as complex as a kid can get, but she does get complex with what she's saying. You know what I mean? And that just kind of blows me away. You know, um, she's learning these new words daily and she's letting us know that she's learning these new words, right? She's like excited to learn new words and she'll use them in different ways and in different conversations uh, over and over and over again. And is just so proud of herself that she has this new word that she can tell us that she knows and use. And she wants us to be proud of her. It's crazy how language is starting to kind of mold her emotional desires as well, right? I mean, I guess that makes sense, but it's also crazy to see that it's starting to mold that. That said, the one thing she's still missing uh, as far as verbal expression is her expression of emotions, right? Through speech, at least, you know, she still is whining and she goes into this mode when she's getting emotional, um, where she like physically can't say words, you know what I mean? Uh, but obviously of course that's 
stuff is far more complex. Like, fucking, I can barely express my emotions through speech. So how can I expect her that's not even two yet to do that? But, you know, uh, I'm perfectly fine with that very slow burn because I am in no rush to get to the point where she can actually say, Daddy, I'm mad at you. Or, Daddy, you made me sad. You know, like, that is going to be a heartbreaking turning point when she's able to do that. Um, So, you know what? Stay right where you are, baby girl. There's no rush to get to the emotion expression aspect of language at all whatsoever. Take your time. Keep going like this, but... It is crazy to see how quick their language evolves. You know, when they're babies, right? When they're first, first, first born, first words are such a huge milestone. But you then don't think at that point about how quickly it advances into full-fledged expression, right? And it is insane how quickly that just speeds to having full conversations. Um, You you know what I mean? And and how using language develops their thinking, develops their minds, and, you know, just develops their personality in general. You know, like you can tell that her conversationalism, I don't even know if that's a word, but fuck it. uh, Like her conversationalism is changing her personality. Uh, It's making her a little bit more confident. You know, before when she was in front of new people and we would ask her to say something or be like, oh, Rora, say blah, blah, blah. You know, she would just like hide away. You know, she still is not the biggest uh, fan of us trying to use her as a show pony, but she will start using words and start speaking and expressing herself without us prompting it, if she's in a comfortable scenario, you know? And that is a way that, like I said before, you see this language molding her personality, molding her emotions a little bit, you know? Like, you can see that if she's able to speak, right? But able to speak on her own, right? And and when she wants to do it, you can see that that's building her confidence in a situation, and that's super interesting to me because, you know, like I always say on the pod, like these are the little developments that are actually huge developments, but these are the developments that nobody ever talks about. Nobody's ever super excited about. It's always first words, first steps, the concept of walking, the concept of talking, but you don't think about these little intricacies and these little intricacies keep is what it's what keeps fatherhood and parenthood exciting on a daily basis because you know when you're with them every day you see this evolution in real time and it's just amazing you know you you also can see that she picks up words more quickly now from hearing conversation, right? Um, 
And that is now going to start being a big problem for daddy who curses like a freaking sailor. Um, you know, I now really have to watch my mouth, you know, uh, because she will immediately repeat it and then repeat it and then repeat it and then repeat it million times over until it goes into her vocabulary and it's just something that she says on the regular. So language, man, that is a huge, huge thing at this point. You know, like once you get to the point where they can speak and continue to evolve words, like that is one of the most amazing developments um, just her, their development of language, you know, and that's something that I'm just in right now and just get blown away by on the daily um, as she's creeping closer to that two-year-old point. Uh, again, I am not excited for her to fully be able to express herself because she will get there and uh, I will probably be in for a, a little bit of a doozy, but for now, just watching how that develops is just unbelievable. Uh, it, it's really turned into one of my favorite things uh, about parenting and about this fatherhood experience, uh, this evolution of language, because it's just mind-blowing how quick they pick things up. That said, we are going to jump into the musical break, and then my guest segment, guest Joe Cohen, he was on back at the end of 2020 talking about postpartum depression in dads uh, and the article that he did for Men's Health Magazine that I was a part of, uh, as well as several others sharing their experiences and stories. Uh, one of the most renowned episodes that we've done on Dad Hard got one of the biggest reactions from men just like expressing their appreciation for putting that out there. But this time we're talking deep dive into his fatherhood experience and talking to freaking strangers. Uh, that said, let's jump into the musical break and I will catch you on the other side. Come and take a ride with me. We can Summer is coming. Are you ready to unveil that beach bod? If not, you're in luck because our friends at Manscaped just launched their fourth generation performance package, which includes the Lawnmower 4.0. So compliment your summer bod with a trim from the leaders in male grooming. The sun is shining and calling your name, fellas. So join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for hot guy summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping when you use the code DADHARD20. Let me tell you, 
I went to the beach a couple weeks ago, a little bit before summer hit, and my whole chesticle situation was looking very, very teen wolf. I did not want my daughter to be a part of that family with the hairy ass dad, chest hair popping out, arm hair popping out, all that stuff. So I took the Lawn Mower 4.0 and I said, zip, 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 zip. I went from Teen Wolf to Teen Michael J. Fox real quick. And that's all thanks to Manscaped. If you use the performance package, you get the Lawnmower 4.0. You get the Weed Whacker Ear Hair Nose Hair Trimmer. You get the Crop Preserver. That is the Ball Deodorant, which I also use to keep smelling fruity, fruity fresh, uh, as well as the Crop Reviver Toner, also for those balls. Plus, you get a free gift, actually two of them, with your performance boxer briefs and the travel bag to hold all your goodies. Like I said, get 20% off and free shipping right now with the code DADHARD20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code DADHARD20 at manscaped.com. Escape the shrubs and weeds this summer and shine with Manscaped. Remember back in the days before you got blazed and lost in the haze. Remember back in the times when being just a kid was fun. Right, right. Remember back in the days before you had brains or cared about your waves. Remember back in the times when being just a kid was fun. Right, right. Remember the sandbox, little league ball, felt like the sandlot. I was the bambino, the salt and the swap. And Doc was more like Benny the Jet, no handy but yet. Pops tell us to drink up Like this will put some hair in your chest That was before we are back With this week's episode of Dad Hard With the podcast And as always you know Once that music break hits It is time for the guest segment Of the show And this week like last week We're bringing on a now two time guest To Dad Hard with the podcast, he came on a couple of months ago to talk about an article that he wrote for Men's Health, which I was a part of, uh, really diving in deep to postpartum depression. That episode has gotten such a phenomenal response that I decided I have to bring him back, but also bring him back because he is releasing a new book next week, really diving into the power, it's called The Power of Strangers, and diving into how we can benefit from talking to strangers, how to talk to strangers, and the whole nine I've read a bunch of it because he gave me an early copy because we're boys now. Um, so with no further ado, uh, let me introduce once again to Dad Hard with the podcast writer extraordinaire, Mr. Joe Cohane. How are you? Hey, Mo. Thanks so much for having me back on. I'm Absolutely, psyched. man. It's my pleasure. I love, I love it. I love the podcast. It's yeah. so just incredibly valuable. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate it. And you added a significant amount of value in the last episode. So, you know, I wanted to, wanted to bring you back. I realized we didn't really talk about your fatherhood experience. And that's what this whole thing is about, right? So I want to bring you back. I do want to talk about the book a little bit, but we'll do that a little bit later. How's everything going? We're out of pandemic now. Things are kind of back to normal. I know in our last conversation, that was like a big, heavy hit for you as it was for me. How are things going now that we're kind of out out on the other side? 
Going good, going good. Yeah, 2020 was uh, was a real pain in the ass. Uh, <laughs> Tell me it was not not a super duper fun time. My, you know, as I, I told you last time, my wife and I both worked. We both worked quite a bit. You know, we lost all our childcare. Which at one point I tallied it, we lost like 50 something hours of childcare a week, wow. and we didn't have family and everything else. So we're, we're both working full time jobs. I I had like a couple crazy freelance things that I was doing. It was brutal. It was just such a brutal slog. Um, and, you know, lonely and stressful and all the other stuff. Yep. I'm not telling people anything new. We all went through this together, especially if you're listening to this podcast. So, yeah, coming out of it is glorious. I have gone out, like, three times since, uh, in the last, like, couple months, which has been a blast. New York City is, like, uh, just hopping right now. It's, it's really fun. People are really social, really excited to, to be together and, like, kind of bonded together. At least people didn't flee. Like, we yeah. all, you know, we stuck around the whole time. Um People just feel like there's a real sense of like unity there. The city feels pretty optimistic and it's awesome to be here. I'm psyched to be here. Yeah. Uh, my only negative is that we can't do to, to go drinks anymore. I know that sucks. And I'm hoping that they change that because that too. was just packaged in like a broader pandemic relief law. Yeah. Hopefully they'll, they'll tweak that um, and make that permanent. And that's great for restaurants and they'll make the outdoor seating and all that. I mean, but it's, it's just been really fun. And, yeah. you know, my kid is back in full-time childcare for the first time in like a year and a half awesome. she's in camp till six o'clock wow. like i can actually work full days again um she's psyched she loves camp she's like to be with her friends again you know like a, a big part of what made that so difficult was like she's going on five but she was three and four going through that and she was just starting to form like close friendships yep for sure and that just dashed it and yeah. she was confused and scared and pissed off and i i would be too for sure so 100%. she's she had a rough year, but she's she's doing a lot better now. So Listen, I was Everybody confused and scared and pissed off because I couldn't see my friends. So I can only yeah, imagine, you know, what, what a kid going through that. I said throughout the entire thing, like, that age was the age that I felt really bad for both the kids and the parents. Because you really are developing these friendships now. You know, my, my daughter's about to be two. And I can already see, like, the inclination of her starting to develop these these relationships with real people. Like, if you ask her who her best friend is, she's going to give you an answer. That's not just mommy or daddy. So that age is really formative of that. But I'm glad that she gets to really enjoy stuff that she loves now, being camp and being outside. I'm sure that's just like a pure state of euphoria for her. Yeah, she's doing good. I mean, we all read those. There was like research on what they call generation agoraphobia. Yeah. Which is people were, were worried that this is going to like permanently warp an entire generation of kids. I tend to find that sort of like alarmism to be yeah. usually bullshit. Yeah. Um, and so we've kind of talked to her a lot coming out of this being like, you know, we were wary of people before. But it was because we're trying to protect them. Like, yeah. We're trying to protect ourselves, for sure. But we're also trying to protect them. And we belong to a community. We live in a city. These are things that people have to do just so she's not, she doesn't associate like strangers with like wandering sources of infectious disease, you know, and she's sure. been pretty good coming out of it. Like she's, she's a lot more social now than she had been like even six months ago. Yeah. And like, she's, she's adjusting. Like she seems to be recovering. So like I alluded to before, the last time you were on, we did this deep dive into, into postpartum depression in, in dads. And that article that you wrote for men's health was absolutely beautiful and, and really like kind of painted the picture on that. I don't want to spend too much time on it because we did an hour plus the, the, the last time. But I did want to wrap a little bit of a bow on it. Did you get as great feedback as I did about that article? And have you gotten like outreach from guys for more assistance? And I asked that because I actually have a friend who just had a baby. He's been on the podcast before as he was leading up to his fatherhood experience. And we mentioned to me that like he was having a rough time with that. So I actually used our conversation, the article as like a little bit of help 
to, to get him through it, which helped a lot. Have you found that a lot of men were reaching out to you with, with similar situations that, that it's funny because it's uh it's just a very guy thing <clears throat> to not want to go public with any of this. Oh. So the, the outreach that I've gotten has been like back channel a lot of the time, you know, so like not necessarily on Twitter though, like sure. the, the doctors and scientists that I talked to for the story, like the story they they said it held up. But hearing, like, a friend being like, do you have a link to that piece? Like, I'm going to send it to my friend. It's a lot of that stuff. Whoa, so it's cool great. that people know that it's out there and that it's a resource. No, that's great. But, yeah, that that kind of thing. But it's, you know, you're not going to get confessionals out of guys For sure. generally. Like, they're not necessarily, I mean, some will, but but generally they're not going to go on Twitter or something and just like. No, 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 no. For sure. That's like when, the, when I said outreach, I meant through back channels and stuff oh, yeah. like that. Because I assume yeah, that nobody's going, yeah. you know, Twittering you. Hey, like, can you help me with. I, yeah. I, I definitely that's wouldn't the, do that. That's, that's what makes it so insidious is yeah. that. Like there's such a stigma attached to struggling for guys that they don't want to go out and just be like, Hey, Twitter, like I'm feeling really bad because they're worried they're going to be mocked or they're people are going to think they're lousy parents or they're like shitty men or whatever. It's a real like hurdle to people getting help and it's really too bad. And so I, you know, I wasn't, I put myself in that story too. I'm not super comfortable with those sorts of disclosures, but I did it because I felt that you guys were doing it. You yep. guys were being courageous enough to do it. I had to do it too, but just to try to normalize it, like you talking about it on the podcast is great because it's just like, it's normal. It's common. Yeah. It happens like 10% of the time it happens, and it's not you and it's not your personal family and it's not an indication of weakness or anything like that like it's a common problem yep. and like any other common problem you just got to get that shit taken care of exactly you know? and find and find different ways to to deal with it you know what i mean even if you're not comfortable going to get help to do it you have to find these little mechanisms that that work for you to to to, to get through it so i'm glad that people are using it as a resource because it is it was just a phenomenal one you know what I mean? And again, big shout out to you for, for tackling that subject and seeing an area where you really could provide help. And I'm glad that it is. But but yeah, so let's, let's get into your little experience a little bit because I did feel bad after our last conversation. We didn't really get into, into you and, know, and, and getting to know you as a father and, and talking about your, your fatherhood experience. Your daughter is going on five now. And just what, what's that, what's that fatherhood experience been for you? I know you had your battles with the, with the postpartum depression stuff, but beyond that, how's that, how's that been? How has it changed you at all? Yeah, it's been, you know, it's, it's, it has its ups and its downs. Uh, Um, The good thing is like what everybody says, which is the kid is wonderful and you, you love them more than you could ever imagine loving anybody. That's for sure. The, the amount of like random hilarious stuff that happens is great. And just like, like when you're with a creature that's learning how to talk, it's so funny because they just come up with such weird stuff. And she's grown into like a really perceptive, really funny, really smart. She's really personable, which is great to see. I'm, I'm all about that. Like, training a kid to be social, right? Teaching her to be social, teaching her that it's great to talk to people, that you should be curious about people. You shouldn't be afraid of the world. You should live in it. So that's all been really great. The difficulty is like, I mean, I don't know if it changed me. I mean, I guess it, I guess I'm, I guess I'm softer than I was before. Good, well, um, that's good. That's, that's a good, that's always, that's always good. It's like you're a little more empathetic. I mean, you're just, your heart is like on the outside of your body. So For sure. you can't help but be changed by that. The difficulty is like, we had kid. We had her later, right? We were kind of late thirties, and so that's challenging because you have all your routines. Like you've yeah. already developed all these ways of coping with being alive, coping with the things that freak you out, finding ways to like you know do meaningful work, all this stuff. Like you've pretty much you have a pretty good system by the time you're like closing in on your forties of your stuff that you like to do, stuff that keeps you calm, stuff that sure. keeps you inspired. All that stuff went out the window, right? So all that <laughs> stuff goes out the window. 
<laughs> you're like, man, I really love going for walks. Like, no more walks. No more walks. You can't do <laughs> no it anymore. Bands. No more bands. So that I found that really challenging, and I found I was blindsided by it because no, I mean. Again, guys don't talk about fatherhood. That's why the pod- podcast is so good. I didn't anticipate that the toll that that would take losing all my coping mechanisms. Because yeah. that's what it was. Like, all of a sudden, especially early on, you, especially if you live in, like, a city, you're trapped in an apartment. You're not sleeping. But the loss of coping mechanisms was the thing that just killed me. So I'm usually pretty social. I love hanging around. I love doing stuff. I love going to the movies. I love going to concerts. Like I said, I've played in bands for years. Sure. Like, all that stuff made it, made life for me like not only tolerable, but like great. Yeah. Right? It was a lot, a lot of fun. I had a have, lot of- have you found new mechanisms? I definitely know for myself, it's been very important to find new mechanisms like that, that I didn't utilize before. Right. So, you know, for example, podcast, instead of making music, it's a different creative outlet. Have you found Have you developed any new coping mechanisms that are easier to deal with, with having the kid? Yeah, I mean, one thing is you just meet other parents. That's true, um, yeah. So there's like, you you have a social life. It's, you know, it can often it's be different. kind of a, kind of a poor different. replacement for your original social life. But you do find, you find your people eventually. For sure. And like, there are people you really like hanging around with. And I found those people and that helps. Being able to talk to the kid is an enormous help. Like, yeah. being able to just have conversations is so, I mean, for me, that's been the best part, just chatting with her, just sitting yeah. around and talking. Because otherwise, like, it's just, you know, a kid is just like a black hole of need and screaming. So when that, like, that, they dial that down a little bit, and they become, like, company. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You can be company for them, like, yeah. beyond just, like, care and feeding stuff. It's great. So I love that. You know, I get out every once in a while. The coronavirus screwed that up. But I'll, I'll go out every couple weeks or so. Go see, go to, like, a jazz club or something, yeah. which is always always good. And just kind of hang out with people. During the coronavirus, I, I was a bass player for years at, like, kind of, like, professional level for a while. And I bought a like pawn shop guitar and had it rebuilt so it's like a proper guitar and then just taught myself like to be a pretty good guitar player over the last year and that helped a lot just like setting aside a half an hour a night to like just study yeah really just woodshed that was awesome and then i've never done i've never done a lot of creative writing before like fiction yeah um and i started doing fiction too just because like producing something helped a lot like feeling like i had i created something it made some sort of progress outside of just regular work. That felt great. So yeah. that was really good. So all yeah. that stuff is good, yeah. Yeah, I agree. The being able to talk thing is so important. It's a full game changer, right? And like my daughter is about to be two at the end of the month, but like now she's like making sentences. Like you can talk to like, we can talk about stuff. I mean, our conversations are about like her getting on the ferry and going to the carousel, you know what I mean? Or going to see Mr. Simon in the park. But like, you know, we can still have conversations. And once you can have that actual interaction, that's not like you telling them to do something or, you know, just eating with them and trying to get them to eat their broccoli and string beans. It does really change the entire game. It brings like this new level of like fun out of it. You know what I mean? Like you talk about, you immediately have this love, unabashed, uncomparable love for this. But now you can enjoy it once they start becoming a person. You know what I mean? That's a good way of putting it it? because they are, you and I talked about this a bit last time too. It's very easy to slip into a mode, especially when you're like working and you're a parent Mm -hmm. of just viewing the kid as like just an endless to-do list. Yep, 100%. Right? And so you're not really interacting. I mean, you are, but you're like putting the food, food goes in baby. Okay. Like now washing clothes, all this stuff. It's such an endless list of stuff that needs to be done. All these obligations that you can get kind of like burnt out by that. And you can get burnt out like as as emotionally too, just because it's just like, you're not connecting with the kid. You're just like dealing with this endless amount of stuff that needs to be done. 
And so, yeah, you're kind of dehumanizing him in a way when you think yeah. about it. I mean, not in a dangerous way, hopefully, but like, for sure, it's unavoidable. And I, no one wants, no one wants to talk, to talk about this, but it's totally true. But then when they start speaking, you're like, yeah, it's, it's like a human. Yeah. And that's like, that's like I told being. my buddy that when my buddy brought it up, <laughs> he said exactly that. He was just like, he's like, you know, I feel like I'm just like playing with a doll. Like, and, and that's not like enjoyable for me, you know? So like, how do you go? And, and I, 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 I approached him and said like, you know, Make things that make different things where you can interact, right? And make that any any type. Even, you know, it's gonna be a long time before that baby is speaking. It's four weeks old now. Like it's a long time before you're gonna be talking to that thing. You know, make ways that you can interact that are playful and and enjoyable to you that aren't just like this to do list and just seeming like a chore. Because then yeah. you just want to get separation from it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, yeah, and totally. it sounds terrible to say. You know, but it's the, but it's the truth. When it's just these, nobody likes doing chores. You know what I mean? Nobody likes doing chores. And when a baby becomes a chore, you are less inclined to like want to do that. You know what I mean? So right. yeah, the two two points on that. Like one is that's absolutely right, and there's <laughs> like there's nothing to be ashamed of. Like that's the thing that I would say to like new fathers being like it's gonna happen. Like it happens to everybody. It's yeah. normal, right? You shouldn't be ashamed of yourself because it's true. The nature of like fraternal bonds early on are different than maternal bonds yeah. in many cases, right? And that bums out a lot of guys when men see the bond that their kid has with the mother, and they're just like, why don't I have that? Yeah, it'll 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 happen. You know, it's just sometimes it takes longer. Sometimes it takes like a year. You know, it can take a while. It's and when it does happen, it's great. <laughs> Right, right. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Once I realized it was happening, I would just like when I got to that mode, I would just like lay on the floor with her. Yeah. Like I would just go play with her. Even yeah. if I was slammed, even if it was like oh, totally overwhelmed but the dishes are piling up, whatever. I would just it would be like, I gotta do like fifteen minutes. Yes. Yeah. Just like sit here, you know? Yeah. And it, you'd feel calmer and then you'd connect a little bit more. But, uh, but yeah, it's super hard. And this is like, this is something that would have been really useful to, to know going yeah. into it. Now that your daughter's about to be five, I'm sure that she like wants to be more involved in like the things that you're doing. Do you find that there's more of that as they get older? They just want to be more of a part of what you're into and what you're interested in and what you're doing at any specific time. And then furthermore, how, how do you get her involved in those different things that she wants to be a part of? Yeah, we definitely involve her. During the coronavirus, we did a lot of baking and stuff, so I nice. kind of learned how to bake, which I had never done before, which was pretty fun. Um, so we made a bunch of stuff like that. You know, it's that sort of thing is great because she can really get her hands in it. Like, yeah. we made pizza, oh. or at least, like, from, like, store-bought dough, but we made pizza. Sure. Uh, but I got her a rolling pin, so she has her own rolling. So she likes it. She gets into it. Ask to do it, but when I'm doing it, she'll get interested. Yeah. Uh, her, her big thing is just art. Like she'll just make art all day long. Um, yeah. What's her favorite art stuff to do? Right now it's like hidden picture things. She loves Ooh. hidden pictures and she started to make those herself. She loves mazes. She started making wow. mazes. She loves Yayoi Kusama. I don't know if you went to that show at the Botanical Gardens in the park. No, I didn't. Like, you should go. It's amazing. But uh, Yayoi Kusama is like a Japanese artist, this great Japanese artist who does a lot of like dot paintings and, and nice. uh, like kind of crazy looking surreal pumpkin sculptures and stuff. But she went to this preschool part-time the first half of this year and they were teaching about yayoi kusama and like basquiat and stuff like that so we took her to the met last weekend she loved it the latest thing is she became really interested in birds and this is pretty oh, common yes, for kids of that age to like get into bugs and birds and animals and stuff like that so she wants to be an ornithologist she said how does she even know what that is i don't even know what that is bird a bird bird scientist she can't say it so <laughs> she a bird studier but but yeah really really into birds so we you know you just try to feed this stuff when it comes up for sure None of us are like bird experts, obviously. So she just started talking about birds a lot. And so we got like a birds of New York guide so we can identify birds. We can talk about them. We can learn about them. 
I, for like a fiction project, I've been doing research into peregrine falcons. And so I was reading this like actually like really dark like meditation on peregrine falcons that someone wrote in the 60s. And I was reading it. And she was just like, she saw that the, the falcon was on the cover. And she was like, what are you reading? And I was like, oh, it's this really strange book about peregrine falcons. She was like, read it to me. So we, the two of us read this book. That's just like, that's awesome. Insane, insane book. It's great. I mean, I, I was over at my parents in, in Boston in the 4th of July. And I was like, this is the book we're reading before bed. And they tried to read it with her. They're like, what is this thing? It's so violent, um, but it's super interesting. And peregrine falcons are amazing. So the, the great, the payoff was we went to the Met last week or two weeks ago. And I took her up on the roof. She had never been to the Met Museum before. And we saw a peregrine falcon. Really? And it turns out that New York City has the highest concentration of peregrine falcons of any city in the world. And we saw one, like, hunt. We saw one over Fifth Avenue go into a dive and, like, go after something. And we, it disappeared behind a building before we saw if it hit anything. Wow. But she's been talking about that ever since. Like, she couldn't believe it. She was wow. astonished that she saw it. And they're amazing. They're amazing animals. Yeah. So I just went, I bought a bunch of other books and I'm reading more bird books now. And we got her like a National Geographic for Kids thing. And she's like, you know, kids soak this stuff up. So she's like a, like a font of bird knowledge now. It's pretty cool. That's awesome. Birds are, I mean, I, the animal phase that they get into is, is really great. I mean, it starts all, it starts young. Like my daughter was like into sharks and all she wanted, like every morning she was just like, I want a shark show. I want a shark show. I want a shark show. This Disney plus National Geographic thing, right? Uh, but now, then, then it was Finding Nemo. And then she was really into fish. Now she's really, now she's really into bugs and like bees because we just moved into this new apartment. We have a we have a back patio, and there were this like there'd be these three bees just hovering right outside our back door, and she'd be so scared of them. But now she misses them. She's like, wait, go outside. Where's the bees? Like, no, the bees. <laughs> then we found like a beetle the other day with this iridescent coloring. She like all she wanted like touch the beetle and all that stuff like. It's funny how how engaged they get with animals and how that just flows in and out of their of their interest. But it's always some yeah. different type of animal. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. There's a theory about that, which is that when we lived on like the savanna, when because humans lived as hunter gatherers, nomadic foragers for like. 95% of our existence in the world, animals were like a matter of life and death. Like yeah. animals were incredibly important. You had to be super attentive to animals. You had to be really good at remembering information about animals. You had to be able to size them up. You had to be interested in them, right? Because they're either going to eat you or you're going to eat them. Yeah, or maybe true. it'll be a helper. Right? Yeah. Although that was before. Or they're going to help you eat something or help you do not get eaten. Right. By or you know what it does and you know you can go get like a scavenged kill or something. You know? yeah. But that's the theory is that like kids are uniquely attuned to animals because of that. Because animals are so important to humans That's for so, so long crazy yeah. It's, yeah. it's so crazy how it's so crazy how when you're when you're raising a kid you see this archaic methodology that humans always had just come back out in them right it's just like it's mm -hmm. the very basic 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 basics and it, they're just in tune they just have it innately in them it's just it's a wild thing to see and it's a, it also a wild thing to see how much of what they evolve into is just fully learned yeah you know? It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, they're just programmed. I mean, they're, they're, they're half cooked when they come out. Yeah. They, I'm just watching this with my daughter now, which is, you know, she's, you can see them learning language and how easy it is for them yeah. to learn language. And you can just see that therefore like language is adaptive. It's super important to like the success of the species, yeah. but even spelling, like she started spelling three weeks ago and she like, she can spell, she can spell. Yeah. Like it just like three weeks. It's incredible how fast it happened. It's and fast. That, like that writing letters is like innate to human nature. Yeah. It's pretty it's, cool. It's wild. Yeah. It, 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 it's letters, numbers. My daughter's now yeah. going through numbers and she like, you know, like she can literally pick out one through 10. She can compile 10 different things and be like one, 
put it there. Two, put that, you know, like, and she's not even two yet. You know what I mean? It's, it's just wild to see. You know, the, the artwork that your daughter is doing is really interesting to me. How, how did she get into that? She just did it. I mean, we were very much like just kind of following her lead sure. on stuff and stuff like that. And other things, obviously, we have to lead. But uh, she just always liked drawing and and she started getting better at it. She started getting pretty good at it and would just do it like just does it in her spare time. I mean, she ran this like she ran this con on me yesterday <laughs> where she keeps like this is the other thing is like, thank God she's still a bad liar. But it's getting she's getting close <laughs> oh, to me. It's going to get better and better. Yeah, so there are a couple of points I've been like, are you, okay, you are alive. But she's, she's improving at a, a very rapid rate. But she she keeps dropping bowls. Like, we, we tried to start giving her, like, grown-up bowls, and she's smashed two of them now in a week, so we're going to back off of that. But she, you know, she's not paying attention. She drops it, it breaks. Um, she dropped one, like, yesterday, and it was the second one in three days. And so she started, like, screaming and told me that she had dropped it on her toe. So I, like, carried her, you know, picked her up, carried her out of the room because I didn't want her to step on broken glass. But the scream was really strange. So I was like, is she really hurt? Like, what is this? is a really unusual sound she's making. And so I took her out of the bathroom and we sat down and I looked at her foot and, like, checked her out and checked, make sure she could move her toe. And, like, you know, it seemed a little red. I think she dropped a ball on it, but yeah. I don't think it was a big deal. But she kept making this weird sound. And I was starting <laughs> to wonder, like, is she just trying to distract me from being annoyed about, about the pool? And I think that was the case because I looked, took her back into the living room and our, our like dining room tables in our living room, like many New York apartments. And I, I was like, I just want you to lay on the couch, like just lay down for a minute and um, catch your breath and like try to be still. Don't move around so much, but like just try to chill out for a second and then talk to me in like five minutes. We'll yeah. See how you're feeling. And she's like, okay. And then she then she goes, can I very gently go to the table and do a hidden picture? <laughs> And so I was like, yes, you can. And so at that point, I know that there's no injury. Like, But it's just like, it's a, you know, it's a coping mechanism for her. Coloring sure. is a coping mechanism. But she can do it for a while. She's pretty, pretty gets pretty engrossed when she does it. That's um, awesome. The hidden pictures picture are pretty cool. Crazy. Yeah, they're pretty, pretty imaginative. Yeah, the hidden picture, the fact that she's into hidden pictures, I mean, and she's not even five yet. It's an awesome appreciation for art that she has that's a little bit beyond just like the regular kid stuff. Mm, yeah, I hope so. I hope so. I mean, we'll, we'll see where it goes. But it's, you know, like I'm not going to... I'm not going to be like a stage parent for this stuff. Like <laughs> no. if she drops it, she drops it. That's cool. Like sure. I, I just want to introduce her to as much stuff as possible. See what catches kind of facilitate the interest sure. and then not take it personally. If she drops it after like a few months or something, you know, just look like, let her, let her find the, let her find the stuff. Yeah. That's what it's all about. It's just about exposing them to as many things as possible. Running with their interests, as long as they're interested in it, not being too pissed. If you spend too much money on it and they drop it after a couple months and Correct. then gets on to the next thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, it's really fun. I mean, the bird thing has been great because I didn't know anything about birds. Yeah. And now I know like a decent amount about birds. And birds are amazing. They're yeah. like these insane little robots. Yeah, it's wild. They're like pur purpose-built, weird, strange little robots. So I, I want to transition a little bit into, into talking about the book because when we, when we were setting this up, you did mention that part of the reason that you got involved or, or interested in this ideas of communicating with strangers and relationships with them was due to this this stranger danger that we have to all teach our kids. And when you were going through that with your daughter, that was part of the interest of, of getting involved in that. So how did, how did that develop? How did you get involved in, in wanting to dive into the relationships that we have with strangers in general? 
Yeah, I mean, so the book basically looks at like why we don't talk to strangers, and there's a million reasons for that, ranging from like technology to sure. social norms to like prejudice to you know politics, all sorts of things that keep us from doing this. And it, I started digging into research into what happens when we do, and found a lot of like pretty fresh research about how talking to strangers makes us feel happier and makes us feel like we belong. And, you know, on top of the usual stuff, which is like, you can meet new people. That's really valuable. You can meet business contacts. You can meet romantic partners. You can meet friends. You can learn stuff about the world. You can experience the world through the eyes of other people, like all this stuff that's super valuable. So the book's about, you know, what happens when we do talk to talk to strangers and what stops us from doing it. And a big part of it was uh, a big part of the thing that deters us from talking to strangers is like the relentless stranger danger propaganda that started in like the what early 80s or something yep. and lasted for quite a while. To this day, for, for most it parents. It still does, sure. yeah. I, I, I spent some time with one of the, the heads of... Um, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, which was like the big organization that yep. pushed a lot of that stuff because the kid they named Adam Walsh yeah. was abducted and killed. Yeah, so we know, we know John Walsh from America's Most Wanted and stuff like that. And and I talked to her son, her son for quite a while. And they had actually retired stranger danger as a phrase because they were like, this is doing more damage than good. We don't want to scar kids for life. We want to teach them to make good decisions. And the fact is, if a kid's, who are they going to turn to? Like, odds are they're going to turn to a stranger. They're going to turn to, like, a mother that they see nearby. They're going to turn to a cop or something, you know, like firefighter. Strangers are going to be the people who most likely, when a kid is in a crisis situation, are going to be the ones who help. And, you know, there's no statistical basis for, like traumatizing kids about literally everyone in the world that they've never met right? Right. like I, I spent a lot of time in school with like the cop would come in and be like everyone you don't know is out to get you yeah. that's like a that ru- ruinous huge, thing to teach a kid that was a huge statement that you made in in the book that like i was just like whoa my mind was blown when you said like how can we i for, forget exactly how you phrased it but it was it was to the tune of like how can we just be afraid of every person that we don't know when we know yeah, so little it's about it's people? Like, it's everyone a, you don't know in the world poses a mortal threat to you. Like right. that's what that message was. And that's a really poisonous thing to teach a kid. Yeah. It's not helpful for one thing, but like some researchers are finding that it actually, it might've potentially poisoned an entire generation's ability to trust other people, which exactly. is really bad for society, right? Society runs on trust to a certain degree. So, you know, I went through a lot of that research and it, it, you know, a, a lot of that was inspired by, by having a kid. And so, so you think a lot about like reconciling the need to keep a kid safe with like the need to like have a kid live in the world, have a kid like being socially adept enough to navigate a complicated world. And much of that involves like meeting new people, talking sure. to new people, having those social skills, having like, you know, being trusting without being kind of a sucker, you know, like how do you, how do you walk that line? And yeah. I remember when I was just starting to think about this book, I was interviewing Dan Rather and we were kind of hanging out afterwards and, we're talking about our kids. And I was just like, you know, it's a weird thing, but it kind of occurred to me recently that like what I want for my daughter is I want her to talk to strangers. strangers. There's a lot of times while we've been talking that you like want her to be this social being because you are that as well. And, and like you said, part of a big part of being social is the willingness to talk to people that you don't know. Yeah, exactly. Like that's how you grow. That's yeah. how you grow your social networks, which are really important. That's like, you know, that's the basis of civilization. In a lot of ways is like learning to communicate and cooperate with strangers. And for me personally, like I had some, some amazing experiences that just came, came about like life-changing experiences that just came about from talking to strangers. Like yeah. I was, a, like I said, I was a bass player and I remember in college playing bass in like a music store in Philadelphia and just like, I was, I was really into funk stuff and I was a pretty good player and I'm standing there and all of a sudden like a guy is standing over me and he's just looking at me playing. Um, and he just looks at me and goes, motherfucker, you look like Conan O'Brien. <laughs> and I ended up, he ended up being a guy who's a trumpet player in a big funk band in Philly. And so I ended up joining this band as like one of the few white people in like a really big, like 
like killer, killer funk band. And so from that experience, like, you know, I grew up in like an Irish and Italian neighborhood, like white neighborhood in Boston. And I just like, I was thrown into like black culture in Philadelphia and they were fucking great. And they taught me a ton about music but I also just got to see like lives of people that I didn't have any experience and with. That- and I used to play in gospel churches in Philly and Camden, New Jersey and places like that. And those people were like wonderful, super hospitable. It was just a, a, like an incredibly formative experience. And that yeah. came about just because I was like shooting the shit with a guy in a music store. Yeah. And I had a lot of those experiences. So I want, you know, I want my daughter to be like that. I want her to be open to these things. Again, to be like savvy, like she's a city kid, so she's going to be savvy, but not to be fearful, right? Sure. You can be cautious, right? But don't be fearful. Sure. Um, And recognize that like, there's so much opportunity in just interacting with people. There's opportunity in terms of learning stuff, learning practical stuff about the neighborhood, learning stuff about the world, but also like growing personally by interacting with people whose lives are different than yours. Like, I think that's what makes you wise. That's what makes you, that that makes you savvy. That makes you like a person who can operate in a really complicated world. You can't do that if you're not meeting different kinds of people. No, that's true. Um, And I I agree. And I feel like, I feel like that, you know, there's a difference between well-read and well-bred, right? mm -hmm. Well-read, obviously, if you read a lot, have a lot of knowledge, et cetera, right? That's really what what that term means. But well-bred it's kind of, in my head, is kind of the same situation, but just having more experiences with more different experiences that you can draw from also, because that is just important for, as you said, like for your growth as a person and for your happiness and own well-being as being well-read, right? You're, all these books that you read and all this knowledge that you have means nothing if you don't have experiences to either back them up, to draw from, or to utilize them on, you know what I mean? And, and a lot of those experiences are going to come from people that you being with people that you don't know and and being with strangers and being forced thrown in those situations it's also funny to me that this stranger danger thing got so big because every kid is thrown into a complete stranger situation the moment they go into school or they go into daycare nobody is a person that they know in that situation it's all strangers so like it's such a weird it's such a as i was reading the book it was such a weird concept to me that it took off that way. You know it just I mean? rhymed, honestly. If it didn't yeah. rhyme, you know, but it's rooted in like in human psychology too, right? Because we're like we we're driven to connect with strangers, but we're also really wary of strangers. And depending on the context, we can either be super social and super open to meeting new people and cooperating with new people, or we can dehumanize them and kill them. Yes. Right? There's just a switch. It's like a dial. Yeah. Right. So what stranger danger does is it just keeps you in the it keeps you in a sense of like it gives you a sense of permanent threat. Yeah. Right. It introduces this idea that like there's always a threat. It's always around the corner, and that's incredibly unhelpful. Yeah, and incredibly unhealthy. It's a disaster. Like it was a really bad thing. That was yeah. a really bad idea. And I honestly believe it wouldn't happen if that thing didn't rhyme. I For think sure, rhyme. I think that's why I'm so sticky. But I, you know, there's a, there's another point here to like why I want my daughter to be social, and it's that when I was doing this book, I did a lot of research into like what they call the loneliness epidemic, mm. which is the rates of like reported rates of loneliness are incredibly high. All over the world, but like particularly in the West, like the UK, but we're seeing it in Japan now, we're seeing it in the US, we're seeing it in the UK. People are are reporting like being really lonely, not having anyone to talk to, feeling like they're not understood. And the cohort that is the most lonely, according to this big, like big survey done by Cigna in 2018, the health insurance company, 18 to 22 year olds are the most lonely. Really? And the, the, yeah, and the conclusion that the researchers came to is that because the best way to alleviate loneliness is in-person human contact, right? 
like relationships yeah. are everything, but like in-person human contact yep. is the thing that like that helps alleviate loneliness. That keeps things at bay because you're like you're in person, you're looking each other sure. in the eye. It, it triggers oxytocin. There's all this like biochemical stuff that happens. But that's the thing. And so that cohort has been raised not having face-to-face contact, not being you know potentially traumatized about how terrible people are from stranger danger stuff. But they you know they conduct most of their communications on online. Technology. That's what, exactly what I was going to yeah. say. That's like right and in so, the millennial age, right there, where yeah. they're. It just makes sense that Stranger Danger has now evolved into a group of people or, or a generation of people that only want to communicate and do things online. Yeah, it's it's. There's a lot of reasons why, but it's you know they have sure, to say, sure. correlation doesn't Very mean causation. But like that 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 generation is getting is really suffering, right? Yeah. And in the you know one possible way to alleviate this these feelings of loneliness and estrangement are to talk to strangers, but they also have like really heightened social anxiety about having those interactions because they just don't have them. They don't, right. they don't know how to do it. They haven't sharpened the skills. So a lot of research has been on, been done on that, that it's actually quite bad to not have those social skills, to not find yourself in those interactions and to have like the skills to navigate different types of people in different environments and stuff like that. That stuff's all really good for us. Like that was formative to the human species, the ability to do that. Sure. So I just want to make sure that it's, it's going to be that. Like I wanted to look people in the eye. I wanted to talk to people. I wanted to be like engaging. It's really important. And I'm not really a Luddite. Like I'm, I'm kind of agnostic on technology, but I don't like, I love texting. Like I'm a chronic yeah. texter. I love it. It's a blast. Yeah. It's like a great <laughs> I'm not like I'm not I'm not gonna be one of those guys who be like you know my kid grew up in a house with a, without a television set and we we're all reading like Ethan Frome or something yeah, all day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> definitely not that. Like I, she needs to know how to use this stuff and digital technology 100%. is really useful in a lot of ways and it's efficient and it's good, but it it's can't balance. come with the in person technology in person interactions because then you're like we need that. That's our food. That's yeah. how we keep healthy. You know. Yeah. And and interactions with our friends and family are like a chief source of well-being but interactions with people around us is also also have like a ton of benefits it's really 100%. good for you 100 i i agree and it's great it's great that you're it's great that you like not only want that for your daughter because i know like you know there are also a lot of parents that i know that want to keep their kids sheltered they're still suffering from that stranger danger panic i feel bad for those type of kids because they just want to be out in the park i get nervous sometimes but you said a great thing is is cautious not scared my daughter is very cautious about things, right? Especially when it, when it's about new people. She's very cautious to like, just like put herself out there when she knows somebody, she's the best. She's so full of personality and energetic and wants you to come, come, come play, come play, do that, right? But she is very cautious about new people until she, you know, has a better read on them. And that's where, where I would like to keep her. I want her to be cautious, not exclusionary of, of people because I, I agree with you. I think it's extremely important. You know, half the people yeah. that I talk to on this podcast are complete strangers. We were complete strangers until we talked for the first time. You know what I mean? Right, right. So it, it, it's, yeah. it's amazing the value that you can get from people that you don't know. And it's, I, I feel like it's a shame to not want to, you know, dive into that. Yeah, when you really start to think about it, it's a crazy resource. The access to, that we have, like, at our fingertips to, like, the experiences and feelings and insights and perspectives of other people is, like, it's, it's an incredible incredibly valuable thing if we take advantage of it but instead like it's just me being like a dope sitting at a bar like looking at twitter on my phone or something which like i was definitely doing a lot before i did this book and i was like i gotta stop this like i feel like shit do you find yourself wanting to talk to more strangers now that you've like done the book are you like oh for sure yeah yeah i mean i talked to like hundreds of them when i was doing the book sure um it just felt it just felt like restorative and, and it went you know actually it tended to go pretty well you know i have the caveat that that i am like a six foot tall white guy so like my experience is not everyone's experience it's more complicated for other people i think and so like i definitely 
understand that. So doing it, I can't be like, everyone should, everyone will have the same experience I do because like the world is complicated. But for me, um, I just found it incredibly enriching, really funny, really fun, learned a ton of stuff and just like felt more secure in the universe. Yeah. You know, it's just like tremendously inspiring and reassuring to have enough interactions where you're like, okay, like I don't have to worry about, I don't have to worry about that guy. I don't have to worry about that. Like, like that's, those people are smart. They have it, yeah. they have it under control. Yeah, like I, sure. I feel okay sharing a society with them. Yeah. And you just have that experience a lot, you know, like very, very rarely did it go in a weird direction or something. Yeah. Like, and I did a lot. I talked to a lot of people. How, how um, did you just like grab people on the street? Like, Hey, like, how are you? Like, I mean, like, like I, my parents are, they talk to everybody. So it's, I kind of know it from watching them that confidence is kind of the game. Yeah. But for me, and I started doing this when I was really tired because I had a demanding job and I had a little kid and I didn't have a lot of spare time. I was kind of overwhelmed. So it's just hard to like be sharp enough to do it because you have to sure. be kind of quick, right? Yep. So I actually, I just built built myself up from scratch. So the book is part of that too. It's just basically like if you are just not social, if you're very uncomfortable with this, this is like, it also provides kind of a step-by-step way awesome. to like get back into it, get That's yourself awesome. comfortable. Like here are places where you can do it. You're not going to worry about someone thinking you're crazy or something. Like here are the mechanics of these conversations. Here are some tips that you can use yeah. to like, to get into it. Um, and yeah, eventually it just becomes kind of second nature and you're good at it. But yeah. I definitely felt that I like, I'm comfortable in interviews because it's my job. Right. But an interview is a very structured thing. Like we know who we're talking to. We know what the purpose of this is. You don't have like that much wariness and, and the kind of the, the, the discomfort and the suspicion that comes with like talking to someone sure. that you don't know in the wild. So being becoming like very mindful of all that stuff is really useful. Being mindful of like how I might be coming across here is really useful. Learning to listen instead of just running my mouth was super useful. It was great. It was yeah. great. But yeah, if you read this book, you'll have an understanding of like the benefits, but also have like a pretty good idea of how to go out and do it yourself. Well, well, that said, when is the book officially released? I know it's this week. Is it Barnes and Noble? everywhere is it just on amazon how how can people get it and then furthermore just connect on you know the, this ideology of the the benefits of talking to strangers in general yeah the book the book will be out on the 13th which is what tuesday, tuesday. again yeah. no sense of linear time no sense of linear time. i mean nothing to me anymore it's just one track but yeah it's coming coming out on tuesday it's available anywhere any awesome. bookstore will have it it's on it's on random house so it's will be all over the place if you're abroad it's it sold in a lot of like other countries too uk like all over the world so you should be able to get a copy i'll also be doing like a conversation about it through green light books in brooklyn cool online yep so if you're interested in that, listening to me talk about this book more, that'll be on the 14th of July. And again, green light books, you can just you know, just go to the website, you'll see it. And then otherwise, yeah, I mean, we're at a unique historical moment, to say the least. People have been in the in their spider holes for quite a while now that people are anxious about getting back out there and talking to people and like resuming a social life. Yeah. Know that that's completely normal, that people have always felt anxious about that. We're going to feel even more anxious about it now. It might be weird for a little bit, but we are born to do this. This is our nature to connect with other people. So, but no, you know, we all got to practice a little bit, but, but it's really good for us. It's really important that we do it. And it's up to us to, to go take the initiative. Yeah, man. Before I let you go, I always ask everybody two questions. This week, we dove a little bit more into your, your fatherhood tactics, fatherhood experience. So probably a little bit more pertinent now. What has been your favorite thing or experience in this fatherhood journey? There was, I mean, it's too much, too much to get into, but a recent sure. thing that, that I really loved was because uh, I've been drilling home the idea of like friends, the importance of friends and the importance of like resilience and toughness, right? And so the other day I was telling her that like some friends were helping me out. And I was like, this is, you know, when I tell you this, this is, this is really important. Like 
friend, making friends is the whole deal to yep. me. Like this is this is the reason we're here. And she was she goes she goes right making friends and being tough. I was wow. like ah there it is. That's awesome. Kid. Uh, so I love that. that but that, that's like, you know, that comes with them being able to speak and listen and all that sure. stuff. But like, but I've just been drilling that home for a long time. Yeah. And, and it's great, especially coming out of like a traumatic experience. Yeah. And it's great. Making, to say it's great making when friends you, and being tough. Yeah. And it's great when you, when you, when you instill, try to instill something in them and you see that it's now resonating. You know what I mean? That's a, that's a great, that's a great moment. Um, the second that. question that I ask is a selfish one on my part. And, and that's what's your biggest piece of advice for a father behind you in the fatherhood adventure. There's nothing wrong with struggling. Yeah. That's a big thing. Wow. There's, there's no shame in struggling. Wow. That's that's super powerful. Oh, we don't even need to get into any more there because yeah. that that's no, it's super powerful and it's super true. It's super important. And there's always ways that you can come out on the other side. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Talk to your friends, get, get a, go to a therapist if you're comfortable with it, but yeah, but talk, talk awesome. and, and, and know that it's okay. Yeah, man. Joe. This is great. Once again, this is the second the second time on the podcast. Not many have reached this ultimate pinnacle. Of being <laughs> I'm honored. Undead. I'm, I'm honored. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me on, Mo. I really appreciate. Of course, it. man. Great. This was great. Um, now that it's open, let's go get let's go get a beer. One of these one of these. Nice I know we can nights. actually do it now. Yeah, we can actually do it. I know you're I know you're heavy on the press tour for the book, but let's let's get something on the calendar in the next couple weeks. Absolutely. Love awesome. It. Man. Sounds great. Oh uh, man, I'll talk to you very soon. Congratulations right, on the book again, and I'll see you on a virtual release on Wednesday. Sounds great, man. Thanks Have so a much. Good one. Bye. All right. Bye. And that is all for this week's episode of Dad Hard with a Podcast. As always, to connect on a fatherhood, brotherhood, shoot us an email at dadhardpod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at dadhardpod. And check out the website, wedadhard.com, where this episode with now two-time guest and writer extraordinaire Joe Cohane will be right at the top. Followed by another two-time guest from last week's episode and one of my best friends on the planet, Mr. Scott Rodriguez. You can catch all episodes from season two, all episodes from season one, and soon, all episodes from season three. So definitely go to WeDadHard.com. Check that out. You can listen to my entire fatherhood journey as well as the journey of so many other fathers and a couple of moms. With that said, that's all for us this week. Until next time. Same dad hard time, same dad hard place. We're out. Peace. Remember back in the days before you got blazed and lost in the haze. Gotta remember the good times. Remember man. back in the times when being just a kid was fun. Right, right. Remember back in the days before you had brains or cared about your ways. Remember back in the times when being just a kid was fun. Right, right. Ain't that the truth, man? I wish you could go back being a little kid again, man. Remember them good times. Everything was free spirit and all that. Talking the playground. He's playing on the monkey balls or whatever. Sprinklers. Hydrants going off in the street in the summertime. That home cooking.